1: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Good morning and welcome to the weekly Football Digest podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and it feels like the gang's back together after quite a long time were sort of various people not not here and sort of various times apart so it's lovely to be reunited with uh, Jeremy cross Andy Dunn and Matt Dunn so during the fact talking the um, talking what's just happened in the in, in, in the in the Premier League and looking back at the the um, uh, what's happened so far, and indeed, sort of, kind of, a little bit forward to um, Euro twenty twenty eight. I mean, blimey, is Harry Kane really going to be playing on until uh, until he's thirty four, going on thirty five? Let's let's see. That's a remarkable achievement. England have got a couple of games, if you haven't noticed, and um, you know, uh, um, and uh, let, let, let's get stuck into that. What does Gareth Southgate need out of out of that? And then perhaps a little look. At the um, yeah, the Howard Webb mixed, um, mixed up show, really, what do we what do we make of that, guys? But um, let's look at let's look forward to, shall we? Perhaps the uh, you know sort of games that have just gone in the in the Premier League. Um, Andy, you and I were both at the Emirates on, on on Sunday, and what did you what did you what did we take out of that Manchester City and uh, visit to Arsenal? And kind of does that give Arsenal extra hope that they might be able to? Overhaul the champions this season? What do you think?
2: It gives... And Dunny was there, of course, mate. Yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I,
2: know.
1: <laughs> um, I tell you what, it gives him... Um, oh, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't making you an exclusive part of it. Please don't worry. Just so you're all encompassed and done. Um, <laughs> I tell, I tell, I tell what you it, it does. What it does, it
2: doesn't just give Arsenal hope. That performance from Manchester City doesn't just give Arsenal hope, it gives Liverpool hope. It gives Tottenham Hotspur hope. It gives Newcastle United hope. It gives everyone who has pretensions of making a title challenge. Um, the City are going through a spell, albeit only a two-game spell in the Premier League. We'll ignore the Carabao Cup um, defeat for now. But it gives it gives them hope that the, the City are not um, unbeatable, far from it, that they are... One or two injuries away from being very fallible as they were on Sunday. The Pep Guardiola does not always get everything right, which he certainly didn't on Sunday with his team selection, formation, and tactics. It gives everyone hope that Erling Haaland is not going to run riot again like he did last season. Um, you know, people were saying, people, I know people on social media were, were, were laughing at the idea that it was a result that blew the title race wide open after only how many games it was, eight to nine. But what it did is showed, I think, that it is going to be a title race, a multi-team title race this season. That's what we're going to have. I, I mean, I wasn't... Even when City won their first seven Premier League games, I was not... I, I saw probably... I think I probably saw four of those live. And I was never... Mightily impressed by their start of the season, even though they were winning games. Um, and that just confirmed it on, on Sunday. They look like a team, a squad that hasn't strange enough, hasn't got the depth that it maybe has had in the past. And listen, you wouldn't you wouldn't be um you wouldn't be overly critical if City, the squad, and the manager had some sort of reaction to a season in which they won the treble. You know, a season that demanded so much of them. They came from behind in the title race and then they won the, you know, the FA Cup and the Champions League. The, the huge mental and physical demands of, of of a season like that can take its toll. We've seen it happen to other teams before. We saw it happen to Liverpool when they went so close um, a couple of seasons ago to City and then felt the effects the season after. So, yeah, what I think, what I think it did, never mind the, The Arsenal um, ramifications, the ramifications for the whole Premier League, I think are good. It was a terrible game, by the way. It was an awful football match, probably the worst I've seen this season. It was probably the worst football game I've seen since 24 hours earlier when I watched Manchester United versus Brentford. But what it did was, I think, showed everyone that this is going to be a three, four, even five-horse
1: title race, and that can only be good. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just quickly, you, you, I think I'm, I'm, might be going mad here, but didn't you tip Liverpool for the title? I did tip Liverpool for the title. Yes, I tip Liverpool for you the stand title. Stand by that. stand by that 100. I
2: was actually off when uh, I think the the um, our, our writers, our writers said, no excuse, no, 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 nothing of the sort. Our writers, I think, did, did a online debate last week saying had they changed their mind you know, after this first segment of the season. now I was off, so didn't contribute. However, not at all. In fact, my belief that Liverpool, well, I'm not going to say will win the title, but will be absolutely right there in contention to win the title right up until the last game of the season. And I think we'll win it. It's stronger than it was at the start of the season. I see their attacking options are fantastic. I see them coming off the back of a season that wasn't great for them, but almost refreshed. They made key signings um, and got rid of players Firmino Henderson brought in Shobalai and, and McAllister and yeah I, listen I, I, I think that they would have watched and Klopp would have watched that game between Arsenal and Man City albeit slightly disappointed would what his side had done early in the day at Brighton but he would have watched that game and thought you know what we've got nothing to fear yeah? nothing to fear at all
1: mm, yes yeah, it's it's uh... <laughs> Yeah, it is an interesting one to puzzle is Obviously, my new favourite player. But um, Matt, did you did you did you think that sort of kind of you know the uh, city are? Did you take away from that that city are sort of there to be shot at this season?
3: Oh, very much so. Yeah, I um, have a few favourite moments through the history of the Premier League. Um, Two thousand and five, when Chelsea went to Blackburn an absolutely full tooth and nail to be a really spiky mark Hughes side to show that as well as being a good team, you have to be prepared to battle for your titles. Uh, And that was always stuck with me. Uh, Two years later, Ali Diaby jumping nine foot out, six foot four inch Ali Diaby jumping nine foot in the air to escape a tackle from five foot ten inch Andy Griffin, which he never actually made, also showed why Wenger was never going to win a title because Arsenal at that stage didn't have the resilience to, to meet the physical challenges that were presented by various teams. Uh, and then more recently, you, you know, City have fought um, for their titles as well and uh, matched fire with fire when, when necessary. But there was a particular moment just before halftime when Erling Haaland, who you'd think would give them that little bit of extra strength uh, where it matters, in, you know, right at the top of the team, um, bounced off William Saliba uh, when he first tried to outmuscle him. Uh, must have knocked him, Saliba must have knocked him about four yards um, off the ball. And this is an Arsenal team that are prepared to fight for things. And as Andy says, after winning a treble, I think it threw question marks over whether they are still willing to fight tooth and nail to go with the football that they can play um, to keep these teams at bay over a 38-game season. So it's not just dropping points against Arsenal. It's other teams that clearly fancy their standard chance. Um, because they know that if they go and battle against them, perhaps the are not quite in it to the same nth degree that it always has been. So so that was my kind of takeaway, and the fact that Arsenal now, finally, are a force to be reckoned with because they have that steel.
0: Rossi, how much do you think last season's experience will, will help them this season? Because obviously they were they were leading the title risk so long, and then we got overhauled in the end, didn't we?
1: Yeah, I, I do think that I do think they'll be stronger for it. I must say. I think the other thing that was really noticeable was how well Saliba played Haaland. I mean, you know, it's worth noting. Then, you know, I mean, blimey, mean, I look back upon it. I made Odegaard my man of the match. I wish I'd gone Saliba really because I thought Saliba overall was was, was brilliant, absolutely sensational. And I guess you, you, you know, well, there you go. Uh, you you, uh, you have know the game, Danny. You know the game, a bit like a bit like a clock, mate. Everyone can get things right once a day, but um, but uh, anyway. So I, I, um, um, I, uh, you know, I just feel like Arsenal missed him so much, you know, sort of thing in the running. It wasn't so much the collapse; it was missing Saliba, who's arguably, you know, who's arguably the key man last season. His massive player for Arsenal, you know, I think he's going to be the best centre half in the world personal, but absolutely fantastic place S- still so young, you know, amazing, but, but I do think mentally, I think it will do it, as long as they get the balance of the team right, you know, because I, d- I don't know, it still feels that Arsenal are not, not fully firing and he hasn't got this balance of the team right, it, it just picked itself last season and got into a wonderful groove and you need a bigger squad, more more options, but, you know, I do think that it's, uh, so it'll, be, it'll be interesting, I do think mentally there'll be you know they'll be better and stronger for, for it. I still think that you know have they got enough of a prolific striker? That that's the thing that would in in you know really tight games have they got that 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 goal scorer that can make the difference? They I, I'm Man
0: sure. out Man City
1: too, did not Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When 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 they get Rodri and they're brought him back, yeah, exactly. When. Yeah, huge, absolutely huge. Yeah, let's talk also, Jez, about Man United, the team that you 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 see a lot of. Um, I mean, blimey, they got themselves out of jail last Saturday, didn't they? I mean, it was it was it was an astonishing fight back. I don't know whether I mean it was, really, yeah. Um, you know, they've had five wins this season
0: and sixty defeats, and they've lost more games than they've won, which is you know that's a crisis for any 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 period of time at Man United and you know we've documented the off-field problems you know the Sancho issue won't go away we're all waiting to see how that pans out um, they're just not playing well they don't look like a functioning team you know you'd have expected Man United to have built on last season which was a positive season for them in Ten Hag's first campaign but um, they've just gone backwards and you know struggling to beat Brentford 2-1 um, they're still in the bottom up, but I think they're tenth now in the table. They're eight points adrift of the top teams. You know, you just can't see them challenging. Andy mentioned it could be a four or five team title race this season, and United are that bad that we're not even thinking about them being involved in it. So that that shows you how much, how far they are off the pace. And you know, they'll, they'll probably they'll probably buy some players in January, but you, we all know you're limited to. Quality play you can actually get in the January window. So I wouldn't expect anything sensational to happen. Um, You just look at them and think that will they finish top six? I don't think they will. I mean, you'd expect them to improve, but I can't see them finishing in the top six when you look at the teams that are challenging at the top end of the table this
1: season. Standards gone up again. Yeah. Andy, you're shaking your head. I don't think not in, not no, no, in no, disagreement, no, but in agreement. No, 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 not in disagreement, in, in
2: agreement of the idea, no, United won't finish top six. Yeah, I mean, they were so lucky to be Brentford. I mean, listen, Brentford weren't very good, and Brentford were also architects of their own downfall in the, you know, they were 1-0 up, in the second half, they just dropped deeper and deeper and deeper. They still thought they they were still hanging on quite comfortably, but, you know, that still invites that... That, that big ball, the long ball into the box and a you know, ball falls to someone who, who puts it away into it. what McTominay did twice in the 93rd and 97th minutes. But, you know, Brentford weren't very good, but United were, for 90 minutes, were actually even worse. You know, I, I mean, I, I was, again, I've seen quite a bit of them this season and they, they seem to be getting. I mean, the thing is, is it had Brentford, and we know the issues they've got up front, had Brentford had a bit more ambition... And had anything more up top, then they would have been, they could have made themselves out of sight because any team now that plays against Manchester United and this Manchester United defensive organization, which is strange really, because they were they were they were relatively, you know. I mean, they they had the odd game when they left a lot in last season, but they were overall weren't too bad defensively. They'd absolutely shocked at the moment. Every time, and I understand that for the Brentford game, for example, you know, what would have been your first choice, well, Ten Hag's first choice back four, which would be, one assumes, Juan bissaka Varane, Martinez and Shaw were all injured. So I understand the issues he's got, but even so, they look so vulnerable every time a team attacks them, and and those of us who were out in, in, in Munich for that game saw that, how they conceded four and could have conceded eight. So I just don't see. I don't know. I, I, I don't see. I, I, I think Jeremy's quite right. I think right. We can name five teams off the top of our heads. Uh, in Newcastle, Liverpool, Man City, Arsenal, and Spurs, who they will not finish above. I mean, simple as that. So that that's five to kick off with. And then you know there are plenty. Then who you think? Well, are they going to finish above West Ham? Are they going to finish above Brighton? And the answer, you know, is, is probably none. So, no, I, I don't see. And with the ongoing issues with Jaden Sancho, with Harry Maguire, who spoke very well, obviously, at the England camp this week about his frustrations, and I understand those frustrations, I don't really see much, much progress. Simple well, as awesome.
0: The pressure at United is like at no other club in England. And when you're treading water like they appear to be doing now, it just, it almost never go away, that pressure. It swallows managers up. It did it. It happened to David Moyes, it even happened to Van Gaal and Mourinho, you know. Two two great managers who won a lot of trophies. So you're fair for you fair for tonight. The one thing he's got still going for him is that his fans haven't turned on him yet. Yeah. Once they do, once they do, he is he is dead man walking out of Sheffield. Wow. Do you think he's still got the players? Well, you wouldn't you wouldn't say so on looking on performances, would You you, you judge that. You answer that question by looking at how well players play for the manager and they're just not putting mm. it in, are they? You know, Casemiro was just a, he was a great last season. He's a shadow of the player he was last season. Mm. Rashford's struggling. You know, where the are where, where the goals going to come from for United? Well, relied on Scott McTominay last weekend to get two. He's not even been in the team. So, you know, it just like feels like he's putting square pegs in round holes.
1: Yeah, There you go. Yeah, Grim Grim for United. But I tell you what, this week has delivered, and you know I like a tub-thumping moment, really. Um, Euro 2028, what a fantastic day for English football uh, Tuesday was, Matt. Um, Actually, we all sat down with uh, with, with Harry Kane, didn't we, and sort of kind of heard his... uh, Heard his pledge to to, to be fit and firing still for um, Euro 2028, uh, when he'll be 34, going on 35 that summer. And, um, you know, but also it's another final at Wembley, which is remarkable when you consider it. was the Euro 2020, tw- obviously played in 2021, final there. The women's final, which they, the, the Lionesses obviously roared and won that. And then basically got the Champions League final next June. Um, it's just remarkable, another final at Wembley, and 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 the joint UK and Ireland bid overall. Just what what you know? Tell us, Matt. It, you know, w- we're right to be excited about this, and we put on a good tournament, don't we?
3: Yeah, football's coming home, and in this world of Amazon delivery, de- if we're not there, then they're going to deliver it to our neighbours, so that uh, you know they all they all get, go and collect it from there. Um, Fans will travel all over Britain to to watch these games, and we are Euro 2021 uh, final aside, which I think we've learned a lot of lessons from. Um, it's yeah, you know, what happened with the Lionesses, what what was happening in other sports recently with with us hosting games is that if we can't win them, then we can sure as hell put them on. Um, so yeah, it'll be a great tournament. It'll be there won't be any of the problems of COVID. Um, there was a kind of a perfect big storm of problems that hit the Euro 2020 final a year late um, at Wembley that day Um, and you know we didn't do ourselves any credit that day but the fact that the UEFA are willing to come back shows that they understand what the situation was and you know they, they basically after a, a European championships that hardly made any money that year they, they want to swell the coffers and they know we'll buy into we'll all be there, we'll be filling those seats we'll be filling the pubs you know, it's going to be a great chance for the whole of Britain. Yeah, you know, we've we've tried to pull apart so much in recent years, but for once we can come together again and celebrate. You know, what should be a great tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeremy, what did you what did you think of Harry and saying that basically he'll be there? in it struck me in twenty twenty eight that he'll be. He'll be thirty-four. Is that achievable? I thought it was a great talking point. To 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 be honest, And Firstly,
0: yeah, what a great interview. We had twenty minutes with him. He spoke intelligently about the future. I was enjoying by Munich. He's clearly loving it over there. He's made such a great start. And you know, he is. A, he is. We, we 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 should cherish Kane because look, he's he's thirty now. Um, been a wonderful player, but he still thinks he's got a lot to give and. You know, he, he said to us, basically, I don't think I've reached my peak yet. You know, he looks at other players like Lewandowski and Ronaldo and Messi who's still performing well and well into the 30s, and he thinks he can follow that in their footsteps and who'd write him off? I mean, you know, I, I think he can. He looks after himself. He's always supremely fit. You know, he leads a healthy lifestyle. Um, he's a low-maintenance footballer for a manager to have in, in the team. He's a perfect captain, really, for England, let's be honest. Hmm. Um and let's hope he's there. You know, it'd be a great swan song for him, wouldn't it, for what's been a brilliant career. I mean, he's not won anything, obviously, but, you know, <laughs> if Kane did win some trophies at Bayern Munich, he never will. But, you know, let's hope let's hope he's there. But who knows, five, five years is a long time. Yeah, we he, might
1: not even be there. Oh, how can you say that? I'm just how do you cross it <laughs> no, no, no 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 i suppose you don't jeremy yeah but thanks thanks for that optimistic uh, outlook really really uh bright my day um andy did you i mean it, the 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 point about the um uh the point about the uh, sort of euros and being staged there as a tournament it's being shared how do you how do you see that? Uh, marriage working? Do you think that that's you know? I mean, now we we always used to have just sort of kind of single country tournaments. Really, is it? I mean, is it a good thing? I mean, I must say it comes on the back of what previously sort of kind of we had uh, the announcement of uh, the World Cup in twenty thirty. The first three games played in in South America. I mean, I actually think it's a really nice idea, but I don't know from a carbon footprint really whether that sets the best example. FIFA have got a lot to kind of Sort of uh, overcome. That. Is it a good is it a good idea? I mean, obviously we've got, we've kind of got various other sort of tournaments across different countries. You know, the next World Cup, obviously. But is it a good idea, or should we go back to the one one country thing? I'd prefer
2: it to be one country. First of all, I mean, a couple of things on this, you, you know, when you say it's great that football will be spread around in this um, Euro 2028, well, we're already on about the, the semifinals and final of being at Wembley, you know, and, and, and no wonder the Welsh, Scottish and Irish, you know, don't like us at times when we come in here and talk about football coming home, Harry Kane, is he going to be fit? And let's all play the games at Wembley. This is a UK and Ireland, you, you know, um, hosted tournament. <laughs> The venues haven't been decided yet in terms of what will stage what. I only hope that it isn't the case that it's Wembley semi final, semi final, and final, because I think that would be a, a, just a gross injustice, really. The demographic UK and Ireland. Now, I think having it in the UK and Ireland, by the way, is slightly different from having it from having a World Cup in Spain, Portugal, Morocco, Argentina, Uruguay, and wherever else it is. Paraguay is, I think, the the. the the three opening games. It's probably different than having um, a World Cup in, where are we next time? Mexico, Canada, mm-hmm. United States. You know, it, it is, I mean, we are neighbors. It is essentially, you know, there are no Wales, Scotland, Ireland, England. You know, that's, I think that's fine. I would rather have it in one country. I think the best World Cups are where fans go to one country, immerse themselves in that country's, um, you know, culture and travel around that country. The best World Cups are like like Germany in, in in 2006. Germany, the Euros will be fantastic next summer. I prefer those. I think, you know, listen, I actually think, and this is a broader point, I'm not as, forgive me, but I'm not as enthusiastic about hosting this 2028 European Championships as as a lot of people are. I'm, re- I'm really not. You know, I listened to Richie Sunak saying about no one, does tournaments quite like we do. Was he referring to the Euro 2021, 2020 final in 21? No one quite does it like that, you know, drugged up hooligans with flares in places that you wouldn't imagine outside the stadium. If that's what he's referring to, I've never seen that, by the way. So maybe, we, you know, the complacency, the complacency in our authorities, and I include government in this in terms of organising it, is is staggering, by the way. So let's get that right first. You know. So I'm not as, I mean, it'll be good when it's here. That's fine. But what I also, on a, on a broader points, in terms of the way these tournaments going now, what is what is quite striking is that whatever happened, do you remember the good old days of actually um, when there were rival bids for tournaments, when England were pulling up Cameron Beckham and giving luxury handbags to FIFA wags. And then we're only getting two votes for the for the World Cup. Remember when there was actually... Now, name me a tournament now where actually anyone's competed for it. We get given this uncontested. 2032, uncontested Italy-Turkey. 2030, FIFA World Cup, uncontested all over the place. And who, who would bet against 2034 World Cup being uncontested Saudi Arabia? I just don't think that's particularly good for the democracy of the game. More people should get more votes to, to, to try and host these tournaments. Instead, it's going around the same old power brokers within FIFA and UEFA.
1: Yeah, I hate to do a double take on this, but Andy, I'm going to call you in again. 2034 seems so not for Saudi, doesn't it? Really. And you, you, you did write, you know, a column last week. I mean, blimey, we're, we're, we're you know, we're at the uh, Newcastle game. Yeah. Basically, we all celebrated that. And, basically, you know, Saudis have got sports sewn up, haven't they? Basically, they've got the next 10 years sewn up, really. I'm not sure whether that's a point of, of, of celebration, really.
2: No, not, not at all. No, it's not. And, and now it's just completely, you know, the the, the whole sports washing um, idea and the whole sports washing modus operandi has just worked, does not it? I mean, no one battered than I did last week when. In that week, in one, in, in one seven-day period, it was announced that arguably what should be the biggest sporting event of any calendar, a world, an undisputed world heavyweight title fight, and bear in mind there hasn't been one of those since 1999, this one will take place in Saudi Arabia. Not even... No one battered an eyelid. No one batted... But yes, no one battered an eyelid about, no one mentioned the Saudi sports washing when Newcastle gave Paris Saint-Germain an absolute lesson on a brilliant night at St. James's Park. No one batted an eyelid when it was then announced pretty much that 2034 in Saudi Arabia, it wasn't announced it was going to be a to complete, but they're obviously the first in the half. There's only probably Australia a bit against them. We know it's going to be there. And no one really an eye when the head of Live Golf, also the chairman of, of, um, of Newcastle United, played golf with the RNA chief executive up at St. Andrews in the Dunhill Links. You know, mm. it, it has now become accepted. It's done what it set out to do, and, and it's become accepted. I mean, I, mm. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting now to see what happens in the Premier League over the next couple of weeks and the reaction to recent events. But, um, but yes, that's another story, but it will... Um, Yeah, I mean, it's as simple as that. It's done what it sets out to do. And when when, uh, Mohammed bin Salman said recently, listen, I don't care. You can call it sports washing. We're going to carry on doing it because it's growing our domestic product. Then they're just going to carry on doing it.
1: Yeah, absolutely yeah. Matt, Matt let's um uh, we were chosen we were asked weren't we to name our our team our England starting 11 for the Euro 2028 which I thought was quite an interesting exercise. Um I think we all went quite similar to be honest. But go on. Who who I can't recall who you picked but basically who out of left field, I if I can. Huh, who out of left field could you see did you name that was basically, you know, that perhaps isn't isn't a regular right now.
3: I don't know if there were too many from left field because the nice thing is we've got so many talents, uh, you know, so much coming through that that we kind of identify them. Uh, it, this equivalent to name a team would be like sitting at the World Cup in Russia and saying who would our team be now, and so you'd obviously have Delhi Ali in there and uh, and the rest of it. So things do change for people. Um, my fear is Phil Foden because I'm still waiting for him to burst onto the scene, and I still think he's a fantastic player. I did put him in my team, but there are so many younger players now coming through and making the same, putting up the same sort of trees that that he did. Um, I went for Kane in the end. I think we're a bit light on a centre forward. Otherwise, um, not a lot. So we so we need him to keep those ice packs on and whatever else in the bubble wrap. Um, but yeah, and. and I think it would be interesting, it's where people play as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold would be a senior player then. Where, where would he have migrated me of my greatest on the pitch? I had him in midfield. I think Declan Rice by then should be just, you know, really one of, one of the world's greatest players in that position. Um, I think he's coming leaps and bounds at Arsenal. But, uh, and then Saka, I think. Hopefully, he will have the same energy as he's shown so far. Stay injury free, and he could be a hell of a contender. And and um, and I quite like Rico Lewis. But again, where do you put them in? Um, I ended up with him in left back because he's so versatile. Just to get him into the team. So uh, so yeah. But there's there's some interesting candidates there, aren't there? So it doesn't look as bleak as perhaps it did before. You know, do that do that exercise in 2016 and you've got Marcus Rashford and nobody else, haven't you? But uh, it shows how much breadth of talent we've now got um, that has built up
1: over the South era. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy, do, any any from left field, from you? I mean, the amazing thing about this is that basically a lot of those players are 20, 21s, 22s, aren't they, basically? And they should be entering their peak. You know, I know, I know we yeah. always talk about a golden generation, but here comes another golden generation. Well, look, in five years' time, how good is Jude Bellingham going to be? You know, he's already one of the
0: best talents in the world. In five years' time, he probably will be the best midfielder in the world. You know, um, one player I've not mentioned is Cole Palmer, who's starting to settle down at Chelsea now. You know, he, he could well be a, a number nine in the future. Who knows? Um, I think defensively, you've got to wonder... You know, are there some slots there that you're not too sure about who'll be filling them in five years' time? You know, obviously McGuire will be gone, Stones probably won't be playing. Um, so it'd be interesting to see who emerges there. Um, tomorrow is obviously a candidate on so who knows? But left back, who's the next best left back? We don't know who tomorrow's left back's gonna be, let alone in five years' time. So that's an issue that we we should look at really, you know. Um I know Luke Shaw's injured and um What's his name? Chilwell, sorry. Chilwell's available. But, um, yeah, look, the fulcrum of the team is going to be Bellingham, Rice, Saka, Foden. I disagree with Matt. I think, well, listen, Foden, has he lit up for England yet? He's flirted with it, hasn't he? He's not put in a world-class performance yet probably for England, but we know how good he is. It's only a matter of time, I think, before he, he does the business for England. He's such a good player. He can play anywhere on the front three, really. So... The fulcrum of the team is already there. That's the bottom line. You just gotta fill him around the edges, I suppose, in five years' time, whoever that manager may be. Don't
2: don't don't, don't forget, Crossy. Um, when was the last time we didn't have a teenager in a tournament? So, in other words, there's someone out there, there's someone out there who's 13 or 14 who's played in 2028. 20. I went for it, pal, Kai Rooney. Kai really will be up front with Harry Kane, let me tell you, he's 14 now. There's, there's, there's someone else, bit, bit, bit. Don't forget, it, it is now five years, mate. Just under five years. That there's someone out there who's there. Remember, Theo Walcott was in the squad, but at the age of whatever 17, 18. Rashford was a teenager. Jude Bellingham obviously was up, was only 17, you, you know, in, in 2020. So yeah, no, I'm I'm in. yeah, let, 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 let's I, I this is. By the very nature, of the fact that the under 21s won the European Championships last summer makes you think that you know we have got players to come through. Not maybe not a golden
1: generation, but certainly a good production line. Yeah, yeah, I must say, yeah, you're right on Kai Rooney. Someone like that from left foot. Someone like that. I'm not saying,
2: Tim. I've got no idea. I'm not saying. No, no, no. no, no. in
1: the sense that that there's going to be someone comes through. No, I totally take your point. I totally maybe one, maybe two. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's just one of The squad will be different. It always yeah. is. You know, it'll yeah. be drastically different because basically we say, oh, kind of, you know, this group is this age and it'll be look the same. Well, it never does because no, never does. the turnover of players is is, is incredible. Even without, yeah. you know, probably ever changing. Well, I'm sure we'll have a change of manager by then. And then basically, even with, I'm you know, sure. being, oh, <laughs> keep on going, keep on going. But then, you know, let's, you know, it'll be, it'll be, um, I think it'll be interesting um to see who who kind of uh who who breaks so i'll always remember sort of after we went so close in 2018 i did sort of kind of message someone who's great for me on youth football and basically the first message back when he was still quite young was mason mount you know and then basically i was slightly cursing myself because that looked that, that looked quite good and then basically um it, uh, you know, slightly cursing myself the other day. Sort of didn't try didn't try that again. It made me look vaguely, sort of, kind of as if I knew what I was talking about, which is which is the first, obviously. But um, but Matt, I um, I, England Australia Friday night. Um, it's a chance to experiment. I was also going to just touch on before uh, we get on to the game. The, it, there's been a lot of, you know coverage in 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 some newspapers this week and uh, over across channels about the need to show respect before the game um what what, what was your what's your answer to that is the best solution to you know show sort of kind of peace on the on the on the Wembley arch which is now being mooted because of the tragic events in in the middle east
3: yeah i think it's been a very long, obviously, it's a long standing conflict. There are two sides. Um, and what's happened, uh, either side that you're on, uh, what's happened this week has been an absolute atrocity. Uh, and I think tradition is that when the country gets together at Wembley, you know, we do mark these occasions and it would be wrong not to. Um, there's obviously, though, football doesn't always need to be drawn into. To political debate, um, it, it's a very nuanced situation in the Middle East, um, and I and I think it's silly to. Uh, I mean, I always think back to listening on TalkSport to because uh, they deal with the news and sports agenda. Um, when uh, Trump and uh, was playing chicken with North Korea, hearing an analysis on it by Alan Brazil and Phil Brown, uh, and I think sometimes there's some things are better left unsaid. Um, I, I think it's dangerous just for for people who aren't qualified to comment too widely on that but at the same time we do have a rich tradition there's a big tie up between the military um, although that's in the military involved this time but in terms of wars and things uh, there's a strong tradition between football uh, and the, and the military and, and I do feel that the, the occasion we can't shy away from marking the occasion let's put it that way Uh um uh, and uh, from from honouring those that, that lost their lives, um. So I think the FA are due to make a decision today. Is what I've been told that, um they're obviously very well at, aware and getting very well advised about what was appropriate. But but now I suspect something. And should there be some sort of minute silence, I'm sure Wembley will, will honour that accordingly. And Crossy, let's not forget some British people have actually died in Gaza.
0: So you know, I think it would be appropriate for for Wembley to show its respects and solidarity and support.
2: Yeah, but it, 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 it yeah. I mean, I mean, so, solidarity to you know the solidarity interest. away. Listen listening. It is as Donnie says. It's a lot more nuanced than that. Clearly, we all know what the issue is. We all know what 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 is. First of all, it 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 footballs and sports. Um, sluggishness to actually come to some um, arrangement to mark um, and to honour those and to remember those people who passed in, in, in these atrocities. You know, does it does, does it no credit? Listen, you, you, what what we, we were very 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 quick to react to other things. That's the point that people will make. The point that you know, the for example, everything was aligned so quickly um, when Ukraine was invaded. Um, to the Ukrainian flag, Ukrainian colours. Um, we saw what Downing Street did after um, Hamas um, made these incursions, these murderous incursions into Israel. So it, we all know that it's put football in a position and sport in a position where they don't quite know how to react to this one, do they? They don't know how to do it. And they have been, they're not discussing behind the scenes. They're discussing, we all know they're discussing whether or not, well, I'm, I'm, no, no point in skating around the issue, they're discussing whether or not to show solidarity with Israel, if you've got a service or whatever. And that's the issue. And that brings in, obviously, a whole load of complicated scenarios in the sense that we all know where, where money is invested, where money comes from, into from various parts, into football, from countries maybe who who aren't as sympathetic to Israel's cause. Let's just put it that way. So that's where it all becomes political. It, it's where it exposes footballs, in particular, and sports, acceptance of money and influence from certain states. It's as simple as that. That's why it's just not, it, it, you know, and I understand then why eventually now they'll come to this agreement where they will be, um, obviously, they will remember um those who've lost their lives out in Israel and in Gaza um, in some way or other. By the way, I do also think that, that, you know, I've read suggestions this morning that there will not be a minute silence for fear of it being interrupted, which seems to be the case nowadays so many times. I would hope that's not the case. You know, I, th- I think a minute silence here is a time for everyone, whichever, whatever their take, whatever their feelings about this situation, you know, to reflect on, on the horrific loss of life. So let, let let's hope that that does go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I just find this silence been deafening from from campaigners and campaign organisations, which normally, you know, need no encouragement whatsoever to to either tweet or say something publicly, put something out, show support. You know, football can't choose. It's 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 it. You know, it's all well and good to say, you know, football can't basically football, you know, and politics don't mix, and 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 and, and conflicts. Well, <laughs> I think you'll find that they were very happy to to mix on certain issues, you know. So, you know, it's all about honoring the the the, the innocence and the innocent loss of life, which cannot cannot run away from that. That's the point. It's not, in my view, it's not about taking sides. It's about honoring the. You know, I totally see your point. It's about you know, but it's it's also honoring the. Innocent, you know, lives that have been lost, you know, which is absolutely shameful and kind of puts football into context. But look, let's let's go back to football and um, and sort of kind of have a look at the game itself. You know, or, or when that kicks off, you know, Southgate. Uh, we'll talk today ahead of that game. You know they're playing an Australia team. It's a friendly. It's maybe an opportunity for some fringe players because I do feel as if it's been an exhaustive start to the season, and he'll surely go with, you know, an experimental team against Australia and a full strength team against Italy when they can clinch qualification. But guys, who who do we think have perhaps got this opportunity to um, to really show? Uh, and sort of kind of stake their claim. You know, I'm thinking maybe Colwell, you know, sort of thing might be sort of into that, into that sort of kind of group of players. Um, oh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Who else? You wonder
0: how many chances Burns going to get, don't you, really? I mean, he's played north of West Ham, scored five or six goals, you know, just sign a new long-term contract. Life is good. What's the point in arranging these games if you're not going to pick players like Bowen, like Colwell, like Gay? You know, just just pick a second team. It's an exercise in looking at players, giving them a, an ex- the experience of international football. Then, then you revert back to Plan A for Italy. Yeah,
2: the team with Harry Kane. I mean, I mean, you mentioned there, you know, the fact that, that I think we're all in agreement that that we can't really see anyone other than Harry Kane. In 2028, I mean, I mean, that shows you the issue there. You know, you do need a, a, a plan B without Kane. I'd like to see Ollie Watkins get, you know, a bit of game time. I'd like to see how he would fit. Yeah, um, I, I, th- I think I think we do need, um, as I say, an alternative to to, to Harry Kane. You know, it, it was probably more fundamental to the team um, than any, anyone else.
1: Yeah, and Andy, you sat down with—I um, can't remember who else was in on it—but you sat down with Ollie Watkins this week, didn't you? Forgive yeah. me, I can't remember who, who else was on. But, but basically, I always think that um, I always think you can kind of slightly be, you know, sort of. I love the way that Niketia calls it on. Basically, I'm not giving up. And basically, what, what, what sort of mood was was Watkins on them? I mean, clearly, Watkins, I think, is surely ahead. Uh, uh, you know first off the, the cab rank next if if you like to get a go, isn't he?
2: I'm not sure he is, John. I mean, and I, I think he probably knows it. The impression I got from him, and I'm sure Matt will will, will either agree or disagree, but the impression is that you know he, I he, I thought he was a bit it basically he was he he was I think he was mildly irritated that, that he got left out of the last squad. I mean, I mean he didn't make the last squad and he said and he, 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 he said well, it's because like you know, I didn't, I wasn't scoring any goals. I was playing well, but not scoring any goals. Well, I think that's probably half the reason. That, that's the main reason he wins in it. But again, his points, and he says, and then I get four in two games. I'm back in the squad, and I think his implication is that like you know, there are players out there, and it's been a little bit of a theme, hasn't it? I can't remember who it was who said it last time. It's become a little bit of a theme of this idea that there is a a core of players who are in the squad regardless whether they're in form, out of form, scoring goals, conceding goals, defending, you know, there's a core of players who get, and we all know who they are, obviously. Clearly Kane's one of them, but clearly Maguire and Phillips, for example, are not playing stuck in the squad. There's this growing idea, there's a there's there's a, there's a, a quite biggish core of players who get picked regardless. And then there's players like Watkins, who can be in, then they can be out. They can be in, they can be out again. Ward Prowse used to be one of those, although he's mainly out now. And I think he was a little bit, and then he and then he tried to explain why maybe he thinks that's the case, and he thinks it's because, without without putting too fine a point on it, he's not box office, he's not out there, he's not big time, you, you know, he's Ollie Watkins, and 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 he's he hasn't got the the allure, say, of these these big name players that the Southgate always so put his British trust in. So I was interested in that, and I think going forward, I suspect he probably thinks that'll always be the case. It struck me. I may be wrong. It struck me that he's the type of player, I think, Watkins, who I wouldn't say he's not fiercely driven on an ambition point from an international level, but I think he's one who maybe even now, at this stage of his career, how old is he, 27, 28? Even at this stage of his career, I think he thinks that he's got an uphill task if he's to establish himself as one of the, what you would call, inner sanctum of I suppose he when he
0: start, reads Harry yeah. Kay wants to play, still play for England. <laughs> I mean, no, how many players that is it? Well, no, exactly, no. It, it, it exactly.
1: Makes me, it makes me think of kind of you know players who've gone part of in, in the you know in the past, who've done long stints reporting up, who've never really been anywhere in close to being a regular. But I'll also raise your kind of latent bones who basically, fair play to him, you know, how how long was his international career? I don't know, five years? It felt like he was around forever, forever, always a nice guy, did a couple of press conferences, but you're in the shadow of Ashley Cole, you know, arguably the best left back in English football history. I mean, fantastic. What a player, you know, and he's just never, I don't know, I can't remember how many caps he got late in Baines, but, you, you know, it's it, it just James Milner, he's obviously got more and played a little bit more, but was never really, you know, sort of nailed down. Sure enough, he probably, you know, retired from England. You know, he did retire from England, didn't he? Sort of been well before, well before he might have done really when he's considered he's still going. <laughs> I mean, it just, it's just, um, it's just astonishing really. There's not much hope for strikers is what I'm trying to say, Matt, is there? I was chatting to someone yesterday about the art of playing football, really. And I never quite mastered it beyond Sunday League, really. But he was saying that, he, you know, he was always the tenacious, get up and go, get up and go, play, run across the pitch, close everyone down, tear into tackles, expend too much energy. Where his, his brother, who then basically had a decent career, actually, and, um, and went on to be a very, very fine, respected uh, youth team coach. Just rocked up, you know. Once played as a ringer for his for his team, rather rather um, spuriously, well after his playing days, and it was just the art of taking that extra bit of time. The ball would come in, and basically, all of a sudden, he just move ever so slightly, and you know, it would only take him two seconds, and in that de- little delay, he would show his master of his craft. And then basically open up the whole pitch, turn away from everyone else, having taken two players out of the game. And Matt, I'm just thinking of you with your time delay there, pal. That's what you're doing, isn't it? So, anyway, so and, absolutely. You're just, you know, just taking a bit of time, leaning into the game, you know, taking players out of it. It's beautiful to see. Guys, what a lovely show we've had. What a lovely show is. Nice to <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it wasn't, no, no. Good, good, good try, but no, I did say yesterday, pal, I did say, I did say yesterday, although I did speak to Colo Torre over the buffet at Arsenal yesterday, and speaking to Colo is always a delight. There's, there's few people in the world who are quite as enthusiastic and uh, and as nice and as friendly and always welcoming as Colo Torre. So, yeah, still a God in my eyes. Um But, guys, so nice to be back together and uh, nice to see you all. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you over the next couple of games, I'm sure.